Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. My guest today is Nick Westergaard. He is a strategist, speaker, and educator, chief brand strategist at Brand Driven Digital, and the author of a book we're going to talk about today called Get Scrappy, Smart Digital Marketing for Businesses Big and Small. So, Nick, thanks for joining me. Thank you, John. I'm so excited to be here. We better define this term scrappy. I could see a lot of people uh, wrestling with what that means to them. You hit the nail on the head. That's uh, you know, it's it's interesting. You talked to we were talking a bit before about the business of uh, of of book sales and you know that first sale to um, you know your, your publisher. And I feel like I knew what this was, and it is something that I found through kind of selling the concept. Though it's a term that we kind of all toss around, uh, there's some different meanings for it too. So that's that's what I found myself doing early in that process, and I, I it occurred to me I should make sure I do this early in the book as well. So that is, uh, in fact, what the introduction uh, is all about. Um, but really, you know, scrappy. I think the easiest way to to get at it is to talk about uh, anybody who is looking to do more with less. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, kind of the problem with that comes in some of the stereotypes that we might have that, you know, it, it might mean dumbing down uh, your work, dumbing down your marketing, uh, or marketing on the cheap. Uh, but I really think it is, um, um, you know, something that is is a bit more rich than that because I think that, as the subtitle suggests, it is about making sure that we're we're getting smart that we have uh, a solid strategy in place for what we're doing and that we are looking for ways to simplify and do more with less, which is really what the book uh, walks marketers through. Yeah, and I've actually over the years uh, struggled with that a little bit too because there are certainly people that hear duct tape marketing and they they hear you know low cost slapped together, um, and really what I'm talking about is and have been is is the the other attribute which is just always works <laughs> you know it it yeah. uh, and, and I think that certainly most people get that but you're you're right I think if people you know have a tendency to go the wrong direction with that they can misinterpret what you're trying to get across and and really in some ways you know as I read through the book. Um, it's partly a mindset, isn't it? Absolutely. That that is uh, that that is what I what I define it as. Ultimately, is this scrappy mindset that it's about putting your brains before your budget. That it's about uh, doing more with less, and about how you can uh, simplify for the long haul. Because I think you know that's kind of a a big part about the task at hand today is that it's less and less work that we can set and forget that we have many more tasks uh, as marketers to juggle and how can we do what's most effective but also do so in a way that is efficient and isn't bogging us down uh, as well. I think another big uh, kind of um, you know, what, what scrappy is and what scrappy isn't is that I also uh, ran into a lot of people thinking, oh, this is just for small business. Mm. And while I think it's certainly uh, ideas, as I'm sure that, that you've found too with, with the duct tape approach, uh, that as you talk to larger businesses, they aren't looking to get any less scrappy, it seems. Um, I, I think you, you just have a different problem. I, I, there's a quote that I mentioned uh, early on uh, from uh, the marketing director at Schwinn, a bicycle company that, you know, been around for years. All of us, our kids, have uh, ridden Schwins, and you might think of them as this great big brand, and, and really they they are. 
but they have a, a small and, and I think scrappy marketing team. And when I was talking with them uh, and talking about this concept, uh, she said, you know what, we could all do with a few people or a few dollars more. And I think that that's something that's true of both uh, big and small businesses today. I mean, I think that um, in in the stereotypical setting, the the much larger business I think has to work harder <laughs> at being scrappy. I mean, let's face it; it's it's hard to be terribly scrappy if everything ha- uh, that you produce has to go through legal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, the the fact that you can't turn on a dime either. Right. I mean, that's yeah. that's. I think one thing that you know, with the whole small and big buckets that uh, that we take for granted, is that. Even in pivoting and doing something new, getting something cleared, getting a budget in place, um, it it does require you to be nimble and scrappy. And I think that um, that's always, in my mind, been one of the uh, advantages of small business is that uh, in many cases they do have the ability to turn on a dime and change direction, and they don't have to go to the board and say why we're you know why we're going to lose money this quarter necessarily because we're you know changing direction. So that's always been a real. I, I think a real advantage, but um, over the years, I have noticed that not only um, is change occur, but I think it's the speed at which it's occurring today oh, yeah. uh, that that really requires people to to stay nimble or scrappy, regardless of where they are today. Absolutely, and and I I think that we also you know because of that that rate of change and all you know not just. A couple of new things, but we have so many new things coming at us. I think we're also kind of getting to this point where, um, you know, we really can't afford no one, uh, small business, big business can afford for for any of the number of reasons to do everything. And I think that too often uh, we fall prey to to what I call in the book checklist marketing. Yeah. Where instead of thinking through everything, we are quick to stand up a presence on every social network. Uh, regardless if it makes sense, we're creating every form of content because that's what our perception of good content marketing is. Yeah, when I started uh, my business, there were maybe five or six channels that we really had available to to get the word out and to create awareness. And I routinely cite 16 today. Um, and we can debate you know, whether or not they're sub-channels of channels, but but how do you advise a, a business who is taking this kind of scrappy approach to to first off, you know, pick the right channels, but also then stay sort of cognizant of what's coming and going? I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. You know, Facebook advertising is really, really hot right now for uh, a lot of businesses, a lot of types of businesses, a lot of sizes of businesses. It wouldn't shock me a bit if six months from now uh, nobody did Facebook advertising. You know, so how you know how does somebody balance the need to experiment in these places because they might be today's hot thing but not get so fragmented? Well, and that's why I think you have to start with a strategy. You have to you know avoid that kind of channel mindset of you know think we have to be doing you know, something on Facebook something on Snapchat I think that's a that's a big one that it's hard to avoid and is certainly uh one that you know about every other marketing article uh, is about Snapchat and I'm I'm not uh, I don't think that Snapchat uh, won't prove to be uh interesting but I think for many you know it, it, there may not be a place for it right now. I think that most of most of the client work, I, I feel like in in quarter one of this year, was about uh, everybody's saying that we should be doing something on Snapchat, but I just I can't find the fit. 
And uh, you know, part of part of my job sometimes, I'm sure uh, you would agree as well. You sort of feel like a, a business therapist, and <laughs> and and letting people know that it's it's okay if you can't find an application for Snapchat. Right. Um, and uh, you know, in talking about uh, what what I mentioned in the book about uh, strategy is you know thinking of it as really a, a marketing map of getting from point A to point B and that point B being uh, the business objective that you're trying to accomplish because regardless of which of the the 16 channels you're considering you're trying to do something at the end of the day so defining what that marketing objective or objectives uh, are and then figuring out which channels make the most sense because not all of those um 16 different platforms do the same things equally. But I think if you have that business objective nailed down, you know a little bit more about what makes the most sense and when. So I was getting a little ahead of myself with uh, with the uh, the channel conversation uh, because no surprise here, you start the book really talking about kind of phase one is, is getting your foundation in order, which for you, of course, is branding. Um, now, uh, again, I, I'm, I'm really sounding old on this podcast because I keep saying back when I started. But <laughs> the the fact is, even ten years ago, when I would talk to small business owners about branding, it was like, wait, 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 you can stop right there. You know, that's that's not for us. That's for those big guys. Uh, I, fortunately, some of that has mindset has changed. But you know, how do you get past a little bit of of the perception of what branding is and who it's for? Well, I think you know the the first promise because I, I think it it is amazing because we've we've always been I, I think people have always been at least in in, in my time working with marketers it, you kind of get that eye roll that comes with uh, mentioning branding and um, I think the way digital's changed that is that you know so many um, are, are quick to you know all. These tools are so quick and easy to use. You know, you can stand up a presence on any social network. You can go publish a blog post uh, just in a few minutes if you really want to. And I think that led to kind of this early phase of kind of just do it uh, marketing that we're just going to do everything. And I think now as we look at everybody's creating content – all the data says that we're everyone's producing more content than they were last year, um, and most of it is going unused. So I, I think as marketers, we have to take a step back and figure out what is our unique contribution uh, to the content in our industry. I mean, hopefully, we can find um, you know a, a unique angle to cover to create some helpful content for our uh, customers. Uh, but in a crowded industry where there are several voices, then it is dependent on, you know, what the brand is. As I say, behind your marketing megaphone. Yeah, I've I've for years told small business owners, you you have a brand. It's just whether or not you're directing it. Um, yeah, I mean, you have you have one. It's not a question of do I have one, do I not? Because I'm big, because I'm small. It's just a question of whether or not it's intentional. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it makes me think of. Uh, Six degrees of, of podcasting. I was actually uh, recording an episode of, of my podcast, and I was talking uh, with the CEO and founder of Uberflip, and he said something that I thought was really telling on the relationship for everyone that wants to roll their eyes at at branding and brand building. He talked about kind of the overlap of content strategy and brand strategy, and I thought that that was a really really smart way of looking at that mm-hmm. because your brand strategy is ultimately 
you know, what your voice is. And if you are kind of rudderless in your content, chances are you're, you're rudderless as a brand as well. Yeah. And let's talk a little about content because uh, that's actually how I've started addressing it. I, I have been uh, for a number of years now uh, talking about content first and foremost as the voice of strategy. Um, and, and that it's not a blog post. It's not a medium. It's, you know, it's not a form of, of uh, tactic or, or marketing. It is the voice of strategy. And, and that, you know, is a huge foundational component. So how do you, um, how do you get past, I mean, I'm based on what you said earlier, I'm assuming you sort of agree with that idea, but then how do you get that business owner past the fact that it just takes a lot of work? It, it, it I, I do agree. And, um, it, you know, I, I think it, it does take a lot of work and a lot of work manifests itself a lot of different ways. You know, one of, one of my, uh, kind of scary ideas to some might be that a lot of work isn't always a lot more content. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think it's easy to kind of fall into that trap of mm-hmm. we're just, you know, we, we've turned our content marketing engines up to 11 and, uh, <laughs> uh it's for, for all the spinal tap fans uh, out there. Um, but uh, I think that in getting more strategic, I, I love that that quote of yours about about did you say content being the voice of strategy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I think that sometimes that that may mean uh, do that that harder work means doing your homework and making more focused content quality wise instead of just more content um, uh, quantity wise. Yeah, and I you know a lot of times I'll tell people that. The good news is it's more work because that means your competitors <laughs> won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so you use a couple interesting metaphors, and one I want to kind of unpack a little bit is this idea of applying a, a compass to you. I don't think you call them channels, but in effect, your you know platforms, networks. Um, I, I'd love if you could kind of lay that out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, after after talking about branding, uh, the brand behind the megaphone, I. I build on that metaphor that I talked about earlier of, I think sometimes you also get the eye roll with strategy um, because uh, especially at larger organizations, they think of that as, you know, we're going to go take half of the executive team and put them in a room for a few months and uh, and we're going to come out with just another binder that sits on the shelf next to the crisis plan. And instead, I think what we all need to, to make sense of marketing today is a map for getting to point A to point B and that along the way, as new channels emerge, um, that you may think of, if I'm overextending the metaphor, as, as places that we run into on our journey, uh, new things like Snapchat, if we know where it is we're trying to go, what that business objective is that we're trying to reach, then it helps us and serves as a bit of a compass in uh, helping us know if we should stop at that particular channel or platform. You know, if you want to pick on... Um, Snapchat uh, just a little bit. You know, if you have a, a lead generation business objective, I'm not sure the way Snapchat works right now if that's the best channel to help you support that. It's certainly what all of the headlines are about and what all of us marketers are talking about. And I still think it, it behooves us to understand how these platforms work and we still have to get under the hood and learn about them. But we have to learn about them to know if it is going to work best for us in those particular situations with the business objective that we have. 
Yeah, and I was just at Social Media Marketing World um, this last week, and certainly there were several segments on it. One of the more well-known social media gurus and influencers said it's you know the next best thing since sliced bread, and it was interesting. He was being interviewed at the time, and and the person interviewing him said, "Can you share a, a business-to-business um, case use where you've seen it be successful?" And he just flat out said no. <laughs> um, and I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, the, I'm, I'm kind of with you. If I, I, it's worth exploring. There's a lot of users on it. Um, I might try to think about ways that it could enhance my customer experience or not. But to to be, you know, so positive and pro this tool that then nobody could actually cite anybody having any success with, I, I thought was rather interesting. Well, and in the book, I, I kind of go channel by channel, and I'm, I'm sure as as you've found, you always dread going channel by channel <laughs> for the stuff that you know you didn't have time to include. But luckily, uh, God snapped. Or, or, or that makes the book obsolete in sixty days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, that 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 big MySpace chapter I have. But uh, uh, but in talking about Snapchat, you know, when I when I do uh, go through that. You know, go uh, Google uh, brands uh, using Snapchat, and I guarantee that the first few articles are going to be about Taco Bell. Yeah. Uh, but in looking at that, I also I don't think that's an accident. Look who it is they're trying to reach yeah. and what their business objective is, and it fits. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I think you'll also see. You know, a lot of times uh, people jump on those things, especially big brands, because they actually want the PR. Uh, that that comes along with being seen as this uh, incredibly innovative company, even if they're getting zero value out of the channel or the platform, they, they, it's, it's, (laughs) it's the stories they get, they're getting in the media coverage they are getting in more traditional channels that, that actually is what's paying off. Absolutely. And I, I I think, you know, as, as, uh, as, as kind of uh, an odd way to accomplish that uh, aside, I, I think that, you know, I, I talk about, you know, the different business objectives and certainly uh, public relations is one of them. So I, I think that if that's what your your goal is, that would certainly be a way of, uh, of doing it. So let's, um, let, let's jump towards the end here um, and, and talk a little bit about measurement. And I think that that's, you know, that's the one that, that so many marketers don't really want to address because, you know, they have to be accountable. They have to actually, you know, show results. Uh, but, but certainly, the only way to be scrappy, the only way to know if what you're doing is working, what if, if you should move on quickly, I mean, is to have uh, good metrics. So, how do you figure out what matters and measure it? Exactly. Well, I think the the biggest piece, it, it kind of really that being one of the final chapters, it, it kind of comes full circle, I think, as a book. And I, I note that early on as well, because all of this boring homework that we don't want to stop for when it comes to setting a business objective, building a strategy, uh, will really uh, hurt us in the end if we skip that homework when it's time to measure something. Because after that, we're left with all of the raw data that all these different platforms and channels spit out, which if you want to, we, we could do all sorts of terrible things with and make a bunch of charts that go up and to the right. Um, and uh, I, I think that uh, without a business objective defined, you can't put together a recipe for the various metrics that come out of there. Um out of the different channels uh, to help you know what matters uh, most for your business as well. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting as an author. I mean, you, you should really, we should all put that chapter first. 
but who wants to read that first, right? I, I, yeah, I know. I, I, I opted for strong allusions to, to, to the end. But it, it's funny because uh, I, I also teach at the University of Iowa. And my social media marketing course really is probably, if I was to add another word to the course title, it would be social media marketing strategy. Yeah. And that is how I teach it. And uh, I, I guess I'm less afraid that students will put the book down because they're kind of stuck with me for 16 weeks. But I do start with uh, with the measurement side of that because you do have to kind of reverse engineer this if you if you want to um, uh, if you want information you can use in the end. And I think that that's the the other part of you know I think that's in all of our DNA when a lot of people sort of. Uh, do identify with the word scrappy is that it, it it is about doing more with less, but it's also about you know not being afraid to roll up your sleeves and, and do that homework, whether that's figuring out a way of creating more strategic content, even if it's less content, uh, but also doing your strategic homework so that you can measure what matters in the end. Yeah, and I think ultimately, I mean, you're never done with this. It's not like you go through your steps in here and then you're done. I mean, you're going to come back and cycle back. And so that's how I always tell people when we get to the, the measurement chapter, it's like just pretend you're beginning again <laughs> you know, because you've, you've got all the ideas now. Now let's go uh, build it, but let's start here. Well, and I think the you reminded me uh, with that uh, that smart mindset that the actual chapter following the the uh, measurement chapter uh, contains that very John Jantz quote um, that I, I loved. I, th- I think it was in the Commitment Engine, uh, where you talk about, uh, and that's why I think it's one of those strategy stereotypes we have. It's about the book that we make. It's about the binder that sits on the shelf. It was about the the meetings that made the plan. Instead of kind of the plan as a living, breathing document that is going to change along the way as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Nick, where can people find out more information? Obviously, the book's available anywhere, but where can they find out more information about you and about uh, what you're doing with uh, with Scrappy um, for those folks that want to dive deeper? Yeah, uh, the best place would be getscrappybook.com. And that has all sorts of information uh, about the book. Uh, You can read uh, the aforementioned introduction, kind of defining uh, the scrappy mindset uh, there for free. Um, And there's all sorts of of other fun stuff there as well. Awesome. Nick, thanks so much for uh, for joining me. Uh, Awesome work on the book. And uh, hopefully we'll see you out there on the road. We're not too far away. You probably come through this little berg every now and then don't you i i do probably more than you come through iowa (laughs) (laughs) well who knows you know i I usually like to wait till it's really hot and humid and the corn's about eight feet tall that's the best time that is the best time (laughs) take care